Do you believe in transformation? Do you believe in change? If the answer to those questions is yes, this episode of The Anthony Bradley Show is going to blow your mind. I'm joined by Mr. Shay Ryan Douglas. On the call from Australia to tell us a story of his transformation after being filmed in a documentary exclusively running on Netflix right now called Liberated, subtitled The New Sexual Revolution. It's a documentary that shows young adults struggling to figure out what it means to be a man or a woman in a hookup culture on spring break. We see Shay and his friends navigating this space, and it is shocking. But what's even more shocking for some will be Shay's transformation after the documentary was released. He's a new man, and he has gone from a man who is living out of his woundedness to a man who now helps to facilitate the healing of other people's wounds. And I am honored and thrilled to have you hear his story on this episode of The Anthony Bradley Show. Well, welcome to the Anthony Bradley Show. I am personally honored on this episode to be speaking to one of my heroes. <laughs> Shay Douglas is, I will say this for the record, America. He is one of my heroes, and I believe that he models. He models exactly what men should do when they see themselves as their true selves. And we're going to talk about some of those things on this episode. Uh, Shay Douglas is the creative director for Earth Heroes. And he's joining us, by the way, all the way from Australia. And I am really mesmerized by the technology that allows us to do that. So, Shay Douglas, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you so much, Anthony Bradley. I really appreciate it, mate. It's an honor to be here. It really is. I'm really excited to dive into this. And I've been inspired to hear how you've been showing the film to all your college students. You know, it's a really powerful movie um, and can have a really big effect on a lot of people. So it's beautiful to see that you're getting it out there. And I'm really happy to be here and have this conversation with you and, yeah, potentially just like grow the conversation a little bit further for people to get a little bit more context into what it's like coming of age these days. So, yeah, it's really exciting, man. Absolutely. So I found out about you from the documentary titled Liberated. It's currently playing on Netflix. So if any of my listeners haven't seen it, please check it out. So watch that. Stop this podcast right now. Go watch Liberated with about five or 10 or 20 people and then come back to this conversation for the full context. But for everyone else who's seen it, everyone else who's seen it, they were introduced to you. And that documentary, by the way, really depicted opportunities that students had to go on spring break, both in Cancun and parts of Florida. And it was just sort of raw footage of what that experience was like. Before we talk about that experience for you, I'm curious to know how you got to spring break in the U.S. from Australia. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, how did that happen? And what, what brought you to the States? I've seen some of the f- earlier footage of parts of your life, and you mentioned that you were a soccer player, or do you guys call it football down there? 
Yeah, we call it football. Okay, football we'll, 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 yeah, but... we'll be proper here. Thanks for the. <laughs> I appreciate the concession for us Americans, right? Who make up things that don't make sense, right? We still use Fahrenheit, things like that. So you're playing football. We we'll use the proper term, and that brought you to the states. How did that happen? Yeah, I love that football. It is. We we had a big change from going from soccer to football in Australia as well. So that's cool. I appreciate you acknowledging that. But um. When I was growing up in Australia, I had a really, really great upbringing. I grew up in far north Queensland, which is a really tropical pocket of Australia. We have coconut trees and uh, a lot of waterfalls and rainforests and the Great Barrier Reef, essentially. So I had an amazing upbringing. I got two sisters, one who's older and one who's younger. And I was always a really inspired, like aspiring athlete, essentially. I was very, I loved um, any sport and soccer or football was my primary sport that I seem to excel at really well. I had obviously my parents are kind of British background. So my dad is Northern Irish and he really encouraged me on that path further as well. And that led me to, I, once I was getting close to graduating high school, I knew I wanted to pursue my career further. And I was either going to go to my mother's um, home country of England and go trial through Europe and play out there or this opportunity to go to the United States and study at the same time as get a scholarship um, really appealed to me because it had it in the back of my mind that if I was to ever get injured, at least I would have a bit of an education to fall back on and there would be other avenues and opportunities for me to grow as a, an individual as I um, developed. So I had a scout who um, selected me and then kind of promoted me to various different schools in the United States. And there was about six different offers for a scholarship and I ended up going to a school in Milwaukee in Wisconsin. And for most people in Australia, that's like the total opposite of what I was uh, used to growing up. And I had no idea. I had no idea what I was in for. And once I got there, I realized that very quickly, it's quite radically different to uh, what I was used to. <laughs> Even though like in Australia, we watch a lot of uh, American movies. We've got like quite an understanding of the kind of psychology. We speak the same language. We've, there's a lot of similarities. But culturally, there were still so many differences that really shocked me and um, took a, quite a bit to adjust, particularly one simple example is the climate <laughs> was a big shift for me, the cold weather. I think I went over there with one pair of jeans and um, suddenly it was like these crazy winters and I had to adjust to. But after some time, I, I find my pace and, and got used to it a little bit. But once I got to America, yeah, I, I was actually loved it because suddenly I was on a scholarship doing what I, what I was really passionate about. I was in this whole new place. It was like this totally new world, new experience. And I found myself on the other side of the world, away from all of my friends and family and people that I've grown up with really close to me. And it was almost like this sense of freedom in a way that it was, it was like out into the open world kind of thing. And I had the opportunity to, well, I was forced to kind of cultivate my own friendships and relationships with the people around me. And I generally gravitated mostly to the, the sports environment, the sports team, the locker room banter. And my closest friends and my closest family were people in the, in the team, essentially. And we had a lot of international players. We had players from all over Europe, Germany, Sweden, England, uh, players from South America, from South Africa, Ghana, and a variety of different players from everywhere. And and so eventually I kind of started to find my feet and found my way a bit. And you have to like imagine there's this young guy from Australia, speaks totally different accent, plonked right in the Midwest in this random little college in 
just north of Milwaukee and it was super exotic for a lot of people to hear me even talk and they were quite amazed and even for me the novelty of it was like it was nice because it felt like it was fulfilling this neediness that I had inside of me that I was like being accepted and people really liked me and I I drew this on this sense of belonging really really easily because people like oh my god where are you from you it's amazing they were really curious by me and um, it was like I was this kind of novel person in their lives which was interesting to just observe that now but yeah, so that led me to four years. I signed, I decided to stay in Milwaukee and it was on about the second, third year of my time in the States where I decided to go down on a spring break trip with some of my closest friends in the sports team who were primarily English. And uh, we went down to Panama City Beach for our spring break experience, which we had heard all about. You know, it was like this crazy big party. It was this wonderful time and and we sort of thought, all right, we've got to go and see this for ourselves. So we decided to do a big road trip. We, we packed the car up, and loaded up the ute, and we drove all the way down from Milwaukee. It took us like 16 hours or something crazy. And we got down to Panama City Beach. And, yeah, here we were in this, this wild, wild party of like 20,000 people right on the beach. And it was kind of pretty epic, particularly for a, a young college students who we had worked so hard in our season and had been really like diligent in our training practices and then and then suddenly to have this like moment of even more freedom again away from all the friends away from family and now even more so we're away from our responsibilities as athletes and we're in this melting pot this party atmosphere where it's totally accepted to go wild and really allow that wild side to be unleashed and uh, that was at spring break where we just we got swifted up with the wave of wildness and we were on the alcohol binge drinking train and we were just taking every drug and we were immersing ourselves in the party experience at that time and and in the movie if you'll notice that it was like this opportunity to fulfill these desires or these lusting desires on a diverse wide range so you'll see that I was able to, you know, in my mind as an athlete, kind of conquer this masculine approach to try and sleep with as many women as possible and go up the ranking to boost my numbers as if it was a game or something, you know, like that sexuality had been stripped back to this idea of it's something to take. It's a commodity to, to earn and to grab. And, and I lived in that for quite a season in my life where it was that was the thing to do and that was totally normal and it was accepted that, I was getting because I was getting approval from it. It was like, oh yeah, this is great. Like, I'm going to keep doing it because uh, I'm getting all the likes and I'm getting more male friends and they're boosting me up. And it's like my ego is going inflating and going into hyper overdrive. And oh, this is awesome. And as well, at the same time, I'm getting this connection with women, which I was also craving at the time. This intimacy that I didn't have as a young young boy back in Australia with my mother always around and my sisters close by. I was really yearning that female intimacy and connection and um so i was going about it in extreme measures and here we are at spring break going for a wild time and and then suddenly we were just hanging out one day by the by the pool we're right on this beautiful resort style apartment right on the beach and this whole film crew came up to us so they had a big camera and they had all the guys around them sound lighting and big crew of them with signing consent forms and all the rest of it and they're like, hey, do you mind if we film you guys? We're making a film about sex in America. And we're like, oh, yeah, that sounds cool. They're like, sure, why not? Like, we've just got nothing to hide at this stage. We're, we're happy to share. And 
and they asked us a few questions and then we kind of had this really strong camaraderie as a group because we knew each other really well and we'd spend a lot of time together in a sporting environment. We tended to kind of what we would call take the piss out of each other and give each other a bit of a hard time sometimes and, and have a bit of a laugh, try and make things a bit more lighthearted and fun. And, um, and they really liked that. The film crew were quite, they really appreciated that. And they kind of wanted to follow that because we had such charisma and, and all of us kind of shared this funny banter about the way that we interacted with one another. They were, they were really interested by that. And they, after the interview, they asked us, do you mind if we come on a party with you guys and come on a night out? And we said, yeah, that sounds awesome. Like, and now even our, our ego and our heads are inflating even more so. Suddenly we've gone from these kids having a party on the beach with all these people to like, oh, now we think we're something and we're someone. When really we're just, we're really no one, but we're cutting the queues of all the nightclubs and getting to the front and getting free entry and they're getting us drinks. And now all the girls are looking at us. We've got all the crew following us around. And so we really think like it's playing into this self-absorbed, ego-driven kind of uh, life where we think we're these kind of celebrities. And we even spoke about it, laugh, joking about it and saying that, oh, we, we'll pretend we're a, like a, a One Direction band or something coming to spring break and all these silly things. But yeah, for those who haven't watched the movie, I highly recommend to check it out. You'll get a clearer idea of where I'm going with all of this. And you'll see that in the movie. It was this lifestyle at the time. It goes beyond the movie because when we went back to Milwaukee, we were, and I was working in a bar and that mindset was still there. It was still very prevalent in the lifestyle that I was living, even though I was at the same time being an athlete and playing sports and had a responsibility to the team. Outside of that, I was still um, a young boy looking to fulfill a lot of these deeper yearnings and needs and that weren't being fulfilled. And it was like I was trying to take from my external environment all the missing holes, essentially. And so that, that manifested in uh, sexual desires and sleeping with lots of different women. It manifested in trying to take all of these drugs to numb out the feelings and to numb out and escape what's really going on in the internal landscape. And also same with the alcohol because it was just such a, an option of escaping what was really, really going on for me without having the tools or the desire and the willingness to really look at what's going on inside of myself and um, even the more challenging stuff. So that's kind of the background leading up to the film. Is there anything else that... Yeah, that, uh, that was really brilliant. You know, I, I think what really stood out to me, because my question always was, how did the film crew get these guys to actually be willing to do this. Mm. And you use the right word. I mean, it was ego. It was, I'm thinking it was actually the, their narcissism, right? Mm. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you think I'm awesome, I'm ab about to become even more awesome. There's a film crew that's going to validate me. Right. Mm. So when you're longing for validation and affirmation, and you're also using other people's bodies as a way to acquire that affirmation. You're much more willing, because you don't care, to let people see it, right? And so what was really fascinating, and we talk about this so much in my course, is that if we are not aware of how we manage our pain, our anxieties, we will use the senses to numb those things. Right? We will use other people to numb. We use drugs to numb. We'll use sex to numb. We'll use sports and working out. We'll use food to numb. 
all of those things, and especially for guys, if they are not secure in who they are as men, they will seek validation externally, right? They'll seek validation from the football pitch. They'll seek validation from women. They'll seek validation from academic accomplishment. You will seek validation from something else. And then that will drive you to actually be a destructive monster, right? You're totally right. And so you you were sort of brought into the typhoon of lacking affirmation, validation, anxiety, emptiness, and brokenness. And basically what you did is that you used the means that the West says guys should use to transition from boyhood to manhood to answer all those questions. Am I a man? Well, how many women can I pull, right? How much alcohol can I consume, right? And so to me, I was just fascinated by the fact that you guys actually let yourselves be put on camera. But I can tell you this, and you already know this, because you all did that, you're freeing hundreds and hundreds of people from the exact same things that you found yourself stumbling into because they're able to see it for what it actually is. And my guess is that there are people who are living in that way, right? They're numbing their pain, their emptiness, their brokenness. They're numbing it with sex, drugs, alcohol, food. And they don't even realize that until they watch you guys, right? So you're the means of freeing people from all of these things. And thank you for being the sacrificial lambs and using your story that way. When you watched yourself on camera, right, with the women, with the drugs and the alcohol, with your mates, how did that affect you when you saw it, right? Because then you're just you're just an observer watching it and you're seeing a person that's sort of disconnected from the internal you on a screen, sort of two dimensions. And that's a completely different experience. So tell us how you, you know, what were your emotions like when you saw yourself there? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. Appreciate that. And also a really beautiful perspective that you have that this can be, you know, watching this is really freeing and liberating for people. I really appreciate that you're like on, you've come that far to realize how this can actually benefit people because some people have caught so much diverse flack and, and feedback from the film from the extreme of people still, they're amazed at how amazing I am in the film. They're like, want to come and party with me and all this stuff. And after the film, they've got my Instagram handles on it. So I'm getting all these messages of people like, oh my God, you're amazing, man. I want to go party with you. And then on the other hand of the scale, I'm getting this total, yeah, like people still stuck in that um, mindset essentially. And then getting the other end of the spectrum where people are like, oh my God, you're a narcissist, you're a sociopath, you're just such self-absorbed, you should die. And like the total spectrum from one end to the other and all of these messages. So it's just interesting to observe where different people are at on their their own journey um, and how they perceive that interaction in coming of age years. And, and you're right, when you look back at the movie, and when, I, when it came to my awareness, I can see how needy I was, how dependent I am and how, how much I was really yearning on a deeper level that, in, that connection ultimately and the acceptance and the approval. A big thing for me as a young boy was gaining a sense of approval and acceptance and belonging in my tribe, in my community. And so 
before the film got released, it took about five years from spring break till they finished the editing, post-production. So there was a bit of kind of lag before from the filming to the release of the film. And in that period, I had gone, my life had after spring break continued down that same pathway where I was drinking, I was numbing, I was escaping from all of the deeper emotions. And then I got struck with a couple of injuries. It was three, I had three knee reconstructions. I'd done my ACL three times. And it was finally in the third time within the space of three years, once I did the third operation, where I really started to realize that, whoa, like I need to, it was a bit of a catalyst moment because I found myself in bed and I was lying with myself and taking all these hardcore drugs to numb the pain because there was so much physical pain and suffering that I was experiencing. I was doing everything that I could to really numb it. And the big thing for me was when the doctor told me that I'll never be able to play sports again or I'll never be able to walk. And it kind of woke me up to realize, wow, something isn't right here. Something's not in alignment, literally physically in so much pain. And I'm lying here and and I'm reflecting on my life and I'm feeling these deeper senses of loneliness and a lack of community to support me through the harder times and realizing, wow, I'm, I've isolated myself from all of the closest people who really love and support me. And even in the harder times, I was all by myself. So it was, it was a bit of a waking up moment where I realized that there's a lot of areas in my life that need to be looked at and need to change. And I had no idea at that time what that looked like or what it meant, but I just knew inside these feelings of depression and anxieties and these, these deeper senses of loneliness is, is, doesn't feel great. And I, I don't want to feel like this anymore. And I didn't really know what that looked like. And so I spent the larger part of the, the next few years after I graduated kind of exploring different means of understanding my body and my emotions and what it means to be a human and also looking for more kind of answers and going on paths. When I was traveling through Asia, an example, for a whole year, I was visiting different organic farms and different yoga ashrams and meditation centers. And I was really seeking kind of deeper answers to some of the questions that are coming, like who am I really and what is really going on in this world and like a lot more existential questions to my existence and, and going on that path and trying to really discover what it means to be alive in today's world. And then in 2018, well, it was about six months prior to the film coming out, the production team, Magic Lantern Pictures, sent me an email saying the movie's about to be released in roughly six months and we would love for you to see a copy before it, gets, before it comes out and see what your thoughts are. And at this time, I was back in Australia and, and I had kind of been on this uh, self-discovery journey had just begun and I'm uh, at the beginning stages of doing a lot of deeper in self-reflection and, and self-inquiry and starting to really understand what's going on uh, on a deeper level for myself. And then I was like confronted with this movie of myself and I'm like, oh my God, like it was so much to handle. At first I kind of felt like, oh, yeah, this is kind of funny. And then watching it a little bit longer, I had to watch it in isolation. I had to watch it by myself. I couldn't show anyone to start with. And then it was just flooded with like, I was just raging with anger because I was, and mostly at myself for my actions, I was so embarrassed. I just thought, I sound like an absolute idiot. I look like, what am I doing with myself? And my actions are just ridiculous. And I feel like 
okay, that's fair. Like it was a fair portrayal of what was going on at the time and they were just kind of capturing the moment. But I just felt like the biggest idiot when I was reflecting back on myself. And um, that's when the, the deeper inner work had to be done because now I'm feeling so ashamed of my actions and I was feeling so guilty for all the things that I had done. And now since I had begun the journey, but I was starting to get all the answers, but it was not coming in the way that I had anticipated. It was coming as like, wow, there's a lot of work to be done here. And um, I... I had to build up the courage after some time to, because whether I liked it or not, this movie was coming out and I had the opportunity, you know, at that stage, I was the only one who knew about it and it wasn't on the public arena yet. And we had this kind of little secret pact in our group. We, we all knew this film, they were making it, but we didn't truly believe deep down that they would come up with the final production. So we were just like, yeah, we'll just go with it, do whatever. And, these guys don't, it's not going to come out on Netflix or anything, so we'll be fine. <laughs> and none of us had actually shared with our community or our families or for some of us, like our girlfriends and partners at the time, we kept it totally secret. And now suddenly it was going to be released. And at that stage, I kind of looked at it, I had two options here. I could continue to run away and hide and, and not look at it and pretend that's not even me, you know, when regardless this movie was going to be released to the entire world at the same time and anyone could watch it at any moment in time and the other option then would be to really take full responsibility for my actions look at it with a kind of a new perspective and a different lens and try and see this as an opportunity for growth and deeper learnings and more healing and I took me I had to sit on that that decision for a long time and then I kind of it took me a while to really to make that decision and I was conflicted because I thought before anything happens, I have to be able to show this to my mum and dad. Like I have to be able to sit with them together and watch the movie with them because if I choose the first option and run and hide from it, then you know, eventually people are gonna find out anyway, surely. Like and so I, I kind of knew that I had to, even as much as I didn't want to, choose the second option. And I chose that full wholeheartedly and I jumped straight into it and I watched the movie with my mum first and I'm really grateful that she she was able to sit with me and afterwards, you know, she she had a bit of a laugh about it and we were able to talk about it and discuss it and see how how this could potentially like be an opportunity for more growth and be an opportunity for deeper learning and more healing. And it was a really lovely perspective and supportive, nurturing love that she shared from that sitting at the same time as acknowledging, you know, my mistakes and how I can learn from them. So not to repeat them essentially. And then that gave me the confidence to be like, yep, I am going to have to face this. And I reached out to the production company, Magic Lantern Pictures. And I said to them, look, I'd be really interested because I have, I've been on this journey. I've just, I've unraveled kind of at the very beginning stages of this self-discovery path. And I'm willing to, you know, acknowledge my actions and take ownership of what has happened in the past, but I really would like to send a more positive message to the world that people can go through, you know, a transformation and a change. And I've been doing a lot of work and healing on myself and I have still much to grow and to learn. And I'd be interested to support the team when they did the, um, the tour around the US and England and with the premiere screenings and stuff. And so they were really really open about that and they invited me along to come to the US and visit all these universities and then it was like 
suddenly had gone from watching it a couple of times at my own house to like watching it every second day at all of these universities. And it was, it was extremely confronting. It was really brought up a lot of challenges and I was, I'm really grateful for the team, the production team who are a faith-based organization who are really supportive and really encouraging during that time. And they definitely helped me to open up my perspective to new ideas and thoughts around understanding that period and process during my life and yeah I'm really grateful for that and so I guess to answer your question in the long way around how was I feeling when the movie came out very simply I was embarrassed I was really responded with a lot of anger towards myself uh, I had a lot of shame. I was very shamed of my actions. And I was, because, you know, I was like, what is my future wife and kids going to think of me when they see this? What is, and obviously still kind of being in that a little bit, I was just afraid. I was really afraid. There was a lot of fear of how I would be judged by the world based upon this movie. And it's like, I recognize that it's only a small snapshot in time. It's a very like limiting moment in, in a period of history. And they don't know anything about me. So it was like all this fear that I was going to be judged essentially. And that was the primary, yeah, they were all quite negative, dense, more gross emotions. And I was grateful to be on that tour because I had about four months of my life to really process a lot of that stuff even deeper and start beginning the self-reflection phase of where these beliefs really came from and stem from, from early childhood and how I had been subject to kind of the influence of my father, as an example, the influence of different coaches and uncles and, and even the media, the role the media played and pornography played. And it helped me to really deconstruct and unpack my own journey of manhood so that I could bring more clarity to how I got to where I am and then really look at from a clear perspective, where do I actually want to go? What does it mean to be a man? How can I be a man in my community? And then actually use my story and that message which is beyond me that can help, like you said, many people to realize that if they choose to do so, they can also go through a process of change and we can actually, you know, rewrite our history as, as what it means to be a man in today's world. And so that was really humbling for me to go on that journey and have the conversation with students because it was challenging. I would, in the screening, we would show the documentary and then we would, as a team, kind of sit in front of them and have a discussion panel back and forth. And I would sit there and the only perspective they knew of me was based upon the last 90 minutes of me just going around as a young boy, very needy, hooking up with chicks and doing all the stuff. And then it was like I was just constantly copped a lot of flack and it just encouraged me to continue that, that deeper journey within and find the validation acceptance on a deeper level so that one, when I was bombarded with all of this external judgment and all this external negative feedback, I could return to a vision and a knowing that I had within me that I was eternally unconditionally loved and that it was okay and that, you know, I was going to um, continue. This is going to help me for my own personal growth and that I'll become a stronger, more resilient, more empowered and more compassionate human to the world from this experience. And um, that was, yeah, hugely life-changing for me actually it was a really really big process that just helped to unlock new deeper levels of my own heart which was just profound moment really yeah and you you use the right word in terms of the film crew and that team encouraging you right so they Mm. they put courage in you 
to face these these challenges you were sort of transitioning from a lifestyle that was characterized by you know sort of reckless abandon to what you said which is absolutely brilliant and really marks what i and others see in the data as maturity and that's taking responsibility right you owned it and then you made a decision based on on how you took responsibility for your actions i want to ask you couple of questions. One is really short and it'll lead into the sort of next one in terms of what changes have you made in your life uh, since then. When you said Northern Ireland, I want you to know for the record that I spent part of the summer in Northern Ireland, particularly in Ballymena. So mm-hmm. I, I sort of go to Belfast and then uh, spend about a week in Belfast and then I go up to Ballymena. I've got friends there. This summer because of COVID, I wasn't able to to go to, to, to Northern Ireland and it, my heart was broken, right? There's no Tesco to go to. I mean, it was just really, really terrible. So when you said Northern Ireland, I was like, this is, this actually is my brother. This is my brother from another mother. Cause I love Northern Ireland. And I'm wondering how did you, you mentioned that you were empty. You mentioned that you needed connection. How did you become this guy, right? You had two parents, you grew up relatively, probably not posh, but you weren't in abject poverty. How did that happen? Yeah, that's a good question. And um, it, it encouraged me to look back to my relationship to my mother and my father growing up. And again, yeah, my dad's Northern Irish. And stripping it back, it was when I was in a deep meditation, actually. This is very strange, but I was, me- I was in a meditation for 10 days and it was like 10 hours a day. And in one moment I was sitting there and I was flooded with this emotion of anger and real rage, similar to how I felt when I watched the movie. And the picture that came to my mind was my father and I was really angry and upset with him. And I didn't quite understand it or really was able to process it in that meditation, but I was, it was very clear that I was angry and upset with my father. And then in my mind during the meditation, my dad had died. And it was this picture that he's still alive today, but in the the meditation, he had passed away and he had died. And suddenly I felt really good about it. It was like this resentment of my father in this moment that I felt like, oh, that he he deserves pain and suffering and and that for him to die would bring me, it would bring me joy. And I was confused by this. I was totally like, what, where did this come from? why, Why am I thinking like this? How, and I didn't really understand it until I was processing it later. And I realized that when I was 13 years old, I was a young boy and I was going through a lot of these biological changes at that time. I remember I was quite a late developer in my early preteen years and a lot of people around me had matured quite quickly and they had already been talking about sex and they had already been engaging in in girlfriends and hooking up and this kind of thing. And I'm a 13-year-old boy. I'm totally no idea about it. I haven't really had the conversation with my mum or my dad about this topic and who I had a good relationship with, mind you, like my dad and I, we used to go hiking together. We would go on trips to Nepal. We would go overseas and we'd go snowboarding together, all of this stuff, a fantastic father-son relationship as I was the only son. And my dad done an exceptional job, particularly not having him father himself and living on the other side of the globe from all of his family to raise three children up in a foreign country without any real strong male mentorship himself. And what I realized when I was a 13-year-old boy, there was a couple of things in that time period that really 
had an impact on my life and played out in these patterns. And the first one was that when I had my first wet dream, for example, I remember vividly wetting the bed and feeling shame about having a wet dream. So I wanted to hide it. I didn't want to tell anyone. I stripped my bed of my sheets. I felt like I was I sh- like I'd wet the bed, you know, and I had this dream of this woman when I was asleep and all these, these things, my body was changing. I didn't really have anyone I felt I could safely go to and talk to about this and I wanted to hide it. And that was the first level of kind of insecurity and shame around sexuality for me as a young boy. And the second thing that happened at that period was I remember because all of this is happening roughly around the same time as I'm actually going through these hormonal changes and these um, physiology changes and becoming a deeper voice and growing pubic hairs and maturing into kind of a manhood body, but still very much a boy mindset. And I remember sitting around the lunch table at school or in high school and we're sitting around having a yarn with some of the guys and one of the guys telling me already how he's having sex with this chick and I'm thinking, whoa, man, like I haven't really even thought about just even like having a, you know, a relationship with a woman. I'm still very needy, like need my mom to cook for me and feed me and care for me, all this stuff. And so that struck a chord for me and it made me curious to explore what even is sex really? Like I don't really have a, you know, there's all these fantasies and stories about it. And so straight away I'm looking at pornography on the internet to find all the answers. And this is starting to begin the process of programming my mind around the meaning of sex essentially. On top of that, it was about six months later, I remember this moment in time when I, again, was really into my sports. I was playing indoor soccer, outdoor soccer, playing all the time, and I was just so passionate about it. And I remember witnessing my dad was the coach at times, and um, something wasn't right. Something was odd. He wasn't fully present with our family. He wasn't always, like, he was often drifting out and going nights out and, and not coming home and all this stuff. And so I decided to investigate it further, and I found that my dad was sleeping with another woman at the time who wasn't my mum, and I was distraught about it. I was so upset and I was totally confused and I thought, why would he do this? Doesn't he love me? Doesn't he love my mum? Doesn't he love our family? He's going against all of these, this this deep sense of betrayal from my own father that I'm feeling, you know, he's let us down. And so once I finally built the courage up to, because I'm so upset about it, I didn't have, I couldn't talk to my mum about it. I wasn't sure if she knew. I didn't really speak to my sisters about it. I thought, I've got to talk to him about it because it's really upsetting me. I'm just so upset. I'm just waterfall of tears. I can't handle it. And finally, I went up to ask him and he said to me, I remember him vividly saying, once I asked him, I said, I, why, why did you hook up with this woman? Why are you cheating on mum? And he said, he looked at me and he said, son, do not tell anyone about this. This has nothing to do with you. Keep your mouth shut. And it was at that point I remember that I swallowed all of those emotions. And for a young boy at the time whose father figure is his idol, he's his his hero, he's the one who he looks up to, takes care of him, takes him to school, he looks after his house. I didn't want to go against anything he said as a 13-year-old because I didn't want to be kicked out of the house or I didn't, you know. I was so dependent upon um, his um, security and his, his offerings as a father that I just, it was at that point where I, kind of subconsciously told myself that I can't speak up about what my truth is. I can't share what's really going on for me because if I do, my own father, my human earthly father is going to reject me. And if for me to be able to receive his love, I'm going to have to perform and I'm going to have to play sports and then he'll see me, he'll acknowledge me and he'll give me a pat on the back that I've done well. And so that was my way of receiving love as a boy 
and the programming that I had in my mind, the conditioning that I was brought up with, with the media and the culture at large and the people and the environment that I found myself in was that as a boy, I have to perform in order to receive love. And subconsciously that love, you know, and, and the, the act of sex is not really that sacred or it's not really, it doesn't have that much meaning that you can go and do it with many different women or it's, that's quite normal, in fact. And so that played out through my years and kind of intensified in these repeat patterns in the relationships that I found myself in, um, in the spring break experience on Liberated. And it was a kind of this repeat pattern that was playing out over and over again. And so when I began to reflect on all of this and looking at, you know, when the movie came out, this was a very confrontational experience because it was kind of relevant. It was recent. I really wanted to understand to be able to change from this, I had to go not just put a Band-Aid on the symptom, but go back to the root cause of what led me to this place. What was the deeper inner child wound that I had to work on and heal and be able to overcome in order to actually make and embody the change within myself so that I can go be in my community as a man now and as an independent human being that, that seeks a relationship with women, that seeks to really give and be of service and really offer um, my skills and the things that I've learned through my life in a way that is going to have a positive impact upon others. And so that began the journey. And I mean, I'm still, I haven't completely worked everything out, you know, like I'm still very much a human and I um, very much am still learning. And, but what I, what I really love about this experience that I've had and having the privilege of traveling with the production team, having that contact with other young men primarily and also young women because it's helped me to open up the conversation with my sisters as an example and, and it's actually brought our family closer together. We've been able to look at our own stories of our upbringings and our connection to our mothers and our fathers and our sisters and our uncles and aunties and, and so that we can learn from it and grow from it. And it's also encouraged me on the path to connect with more boys coming of age into their manhood process and look at creating a rites of passage experience. And like you said earlier, it can be, if it's not brought into a healthy environment, it can be a wild monster, you know, of a boy mentality in a man's body, particularly with the, the muscular strength and the drive and the passion. And if it's off course, it can create true serious destruction. And so I've been really encouraged to go, grow on a path where I have the opportunity to connect with really inspiring young adults who I find are really really switched on today that and I visit a lot of schools I've, I've helped uh, to develop a school program where we can ask these deeper questions about what does it mean to be a man when does a boy become a man what is the process of being a man in today's world and all of these deeper questions and it's really really cool to, to hear and to listen to what these young men of today are suggesting we can be you know better men in the world and it all comes back to that self-responsibility. It comes back to, you know, having integrity and respect. And it's really cool to, to be part of that and to just have that conversation with other men. And obviously, I want to acknowledge that the conversation with women um, and even in the documentary is a total another different conversation. And it deserves its, its own time and it deserves its own it's a different experience for men and for women, even at spring break. You know, for a man, it was about how many girls can I hook up with? And for a woman, it was kind of like, well, 
I want to go out and have a good time. I just don't want to get drugged or I don't want to like, there was a bit of a fear level for women and that's what the movie brings up is that there is two perspectives to this side of the story and I'm mostly speaking towards the masculine side of it in this conversation. And, um, and so, yeah, I guess it's led me on this path where I'm at now and realizing that there's a lot of work to be done still. Um, this, you know, there's a constant growth for myself and evolution to keep doing the work. And also to help our next generation of young boys become healthy role models and healthy men. And I, I'm really inspired by a guy in Australia. His name's Steve Bidolf, and he's been doing this kind of work for many years now. And he's written some phenomenal books on this topic that really keep it relatable for men and boys to understand. And he suggests that it's roughly around one in 10 men who are close with their fathers. And it seems outrageous, actually, that fundamental relationship is non-existent for a lot of people and even though my father was a very physically present role model emotionally and even spiritually it was absent and it was it was missing and that was the deeper yearning that I had was to be able to express my true emotions and I felt I didn't have the space and nor did the people in my environment have the capacity to be able to receive me in that way because of these events that had happened since I was younger which I suppressed and pushed away and so Learning from that, I guess each of us have our, has our own unique individual story that has led us to where we are today. And, and in fact, that story uh, and triumph of becoming a man and, and having new perspectives and seeing the role and not blaming, you know, our fathers and not blaming the culture or blaming the media, but realizing that it all plays an influence in our lives and that we are the ones who have led ourselves to where we are right now in this moment, even if it's listening to this podcast to, to deepen our perspective and broaden our lens on our worldview ultimately and the way that we see ourselves in that world. It's phenomenal kind of work to be doing and a journey to be on because ultimately we're all our own heroes and we're all on the journey and going through a variety of tribulations and trials and experiences and, and to be recognized and to be seen is a deep human psychological need and, and to be uh, significant in the world and, and play a role in our community is, is really a deeply ingrained part of our human biology even. So it's beautiful kind of awakening to go through on an individual level to realize that we can actually all have a positive impact in our community and in our lives if we choose to go down that path, if we choose to be open and courageous and willing enough to explore curiously what it is that has led us to where we are right now and then to look at where we want to go and what kind of future we want to create for our family and our next generation. Yeah, you are a brilliant textbook example of exactly what the psych data says happens when those things happen in your past. I have a staff of books in here. I, I teach a class <laughs> on masculinity and what you just described is exactly what all of these scholars say who have PhDs write down in books. And you absolutely nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. You connected those dots perfectly because that's really the work that needs to be done is how do men answer the question, am I a man? And what of those early influences that really decided to, sorry, that really determined how we got off course. And those father wounds 
are quite significant. And so you're, you've been doing a lot of work helping people heal. I've seen that you're involved in the wholesome life movement. What's that about? And, and tell us what the nature of that work is for you. Yeah, sure. Thanks for um, bringing that up for discussion. I really love working with people. And um, what was so significant for me was like these big aha moments where things clicked and the light bulbs went off and realizing that fundamentally as human beings, we're actually similarly wired, in fact. And there's these common threads uh, through our upbringing that we can all relate to. And just as you said, that you could connect the dots and it, essentially it's just part of the work that we do with the Wholesome Life Movement is one, to really connect people to their own stories, to realize where these dots are and connect them and really help them make sense of it through a process of self-inquiry and self-reflection and also self-discovery to allow them to open their eyes up to a path of self-mastery, which is it's quite a long way away, but we've got to begin with self-discovery. And so what we do in this process is we really empower people to realize with what well, essentially empower them with the tools to be able to navigate when these adversities and challenges arise. And then we encourage them later to live an inspired life based upon the journey that they can uncover. And so we do this through a series of retreat experiences where it's like an immersion through three days, people doing the deeper inner work. And it ultimately it's just asking questions and encouraging them on their own path of healing because I can't, I'm not healing anyone and I, I don't have that capacity at all. Ultimately, it's up to us to do the deeper inner work to heal our own emotional unresolved trauma, our own password childhood wounds. And, and we're just creating a framework and an environment for people to be able to explore that space within themselves. And so that manifests into these retreats, also these workshops that we do, these one-off like kind of experiences for people. And also the school program is a big part of that where we go and talk with the young men about um, manhood and coming of age. And so I've been really inspired in my life, which for me, inspiration comes from the Latin term uh, living in spirit, in spirit. And so what I've realized is that all of these things, and a small example is this podcast uh, that has been this spirit that has come alive in me to be um, willing enough to do something like this because it feels so aligned and it feels like it's just fallen into place with such ease and grace and, and it's an amazing story to tell and it's like this is inspiring for me this story and these conversations because i feel like it's living in the spirit of what is possible in the world when we uh, choose to live an inspired life and so that's the the main kind of three aims connect empower and inspire each other to really live a wholesome life and then looking at what does it mean to be whole and what comprises of all elements of a whole human being you know I was very much a physical-based being and very athletic, very sports-orientated, very um, performance-based, and I didn't acknowledge my deeper emotions. And so already there's a kink in the hole or a, there's a nudge out of the wheel and, and realize that there's many different dimensions to our human existence that include, you know, the physical, the psychological, the emotional, the spiritual, the financial, the sexual. There's many different aspects that contribute to our lives as a whole and and look at the kind of wheel of life and see what areas that we can improve upon. For some people, they might feel very whole in their relationships, as an example, but their career and their financial area of life has not necessarily where they want to be or what their ideal is. And so it's just simply a, a process of reflecting upon our past, looking at where we are currently, and then 
deciding and designing a life by design, not a life by default. So looking at how, again, we repeat these patterns, but if we consciously choose to do so, we can create a life by design for the future to, to recreate what it is that we want to see in the world by embodying and being the living, breathing example. So that's what we really focus on in that. And it's really fun just to work with people and see the, these awakenings that people have and the transformation. And it's like, wow, this is just like, it just gives me energy and it just lights my world up. And it's just beautiful to, to work on that level with others. And um, it's a real blessing actually just to be alive right now in this moment in human history when we're faced with a lot of serious you know, economical challenges, financial challenges. There's a lot of environmental challenges happening for us as a collective human family. There's a lot of biological virus challenges that are confronting us right now in this time. And so it seems like we're being like this whole circle is kind of being forced inwards and, and it's up to us to, to build that resilience to have a really robust, wholesome life so that when we go out into the world and to our communities that we can build strength together in numbers and as a collective so that we're able to navigate clearly together how to overcome some of these bigger world problems and bigger internal problems at the same time this is really really brilliant how old are you now 27 you're 27 i, I want yeah. to say to you as we wrap up that you are on the one hand a young sage, and on the other hand, you are an example of what can happen when men dig deeper in their courage and take ownership of their story. Mm. And there are not a lot of men on the planet Earth, your age, who have the courage to do what you've done. And that's why you will be forever one of my heroes because the work that you're doing is not work that men do until they're way later in life when there's been a trail of disaster. And so the fact that you're doing what you're doing right now is just so honorable and so hard and so courageous because you're piercing through the chaos and all of the false masculinities and all the false narratives and you're giving people opportunities especially guys to see what really matters and you've also in your life right now you're providing a model of what it looks like to turn from the past and move toward wholeness and human flourishing and making a contribution to making the world a better place by bringing your gifts by bringing those things that are a part of you that actually make other people's lives better. You, be, you, you were, you were self-centered and selfish, and now you're other-centered, and you're investing in making other people's lives better, and you're investing in other people's liberation from the exact same things that were literally about to destroy you. You were on a path to destruction and this film actually liberated you, yeah. right? And changed your story. And now, Shay Douglas, you are being used in ways that you will probably not even be aware of. You are being used to liberate other people from these sorts of things in their pathway and in their journey that can really undermine their existence. Thank you so much 
for being one of the most courageous men on the planet. You model vulnerability. You model authenticity. You model responsibility. This is exactly, you are exactly what you're doing. This is exactly the kind of model an example of men that we need in this world today. And I thank you for being willing to share your story with us and to put it out there uh, so that it could encourage others. You are, by definition, nothing but an encouragement to me and my students with this story. So thank you very much for joining us today. Absolutely, mate. It's my honor, really. And same reflection towards you and the work that you're doing in the world. It's, it's incredible what you are to help young men and the next generation and bring these conversations to light and really open up opportunities and doorways for people like myself to share their story. And um, thank you so much for everything that you're doing in the world and, and making positive action towards a better future. So it's really appreciated. And, and I love it that we can work together and collaborate in magical ways. So you're a legend, absolute legend. And I've really enjoyed it, actually. So thank you so much. Very good. Very good. And I hope to, I'm going to do my best to get this out to as many people as possible, get them to watch the film and have and have great discussions. So thanks again for joining us. Absolutely, and I'll do the same from my end, mate. Really appreciate you.